This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up? What's up? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, we are diving into sleep. I'm so excited about this because I get so many questions and so many of the women who join our programs come in with poor sleep, disrupted sleep, and just everything involving struggling with sleep. And it's really nice when by the end of the programs, they have improved their sleep and see the ripple effects that really come from when you get quality sleep. And so what I want to share with you in this episode is a couple things. So we're going to dive into understanding a little bit of what happens in the body when you consistently get poor sleep. So you can understand the biological effects of not prioritizing your sleep and getting poor sleep. And then, of course, I'm going to empower you through a five-step process that you can use and take away and integrate right away that's going to support you in getting the best sleep of your life. So if you're not excited, I hope that you do something to get excited about it because you should be super excited about what I'm going to share and we're going to dive right in. So... Getting quality sleep is just as important, if not more, as your training and nutrition regimen. And sleep is often what's put on the back burner, right? In our culture, in our society, it's all about go, 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 do as much as you possibly can with all of the time that you possibly can. And if something needs to go, it'll be our sleep. We really need to start rewriting that narrative because if you really desire to improve your health and performance and well-being long-term, sleep is the number one priority. And this may come as a shock to you, but there's actually a ton of research that supports the power of getting a good night's sleep, especially for athletes. From speed and reaction time to decision-making and recovery, both sleep quality and sleep quantity can make athletes stronger, quicker, smarter, and more alert, both in training and during competitions. And obviously, these are all things I'm assuming that you would like to improve on, right? We want to be stronger. We want to be quicker. We want to be smarter. We want to be able to think on the fly and be very cognitive in our match. So if that is your goal, then this is the conversation for you. We really need to take a deep dive into what your sleep look like, what your sleep looks like and how we can start improving on that. So what happens when you consistently get poor sleep? Let's take a look. First, your glycogen stores are diminished, specifically if you're not hitting the deep sleep stage. Glycogen is your carbohydrate reserve, which is utilized as fuel during your intense training sessions. However, when your tank is low, 
your mental and physical performance suffers and then you as an athlete can't perform to the best of your abilities. So your glycogen stores are diminished when you're not sleeping well, which is really important because we use these glycogen stores to fuel our training sessions. And again, this plays a huge role in being able to give 110% in your match. When you're unable to get into an REM state of sleep, your testosterone is affected. So now we're talking about a hormone here. Testosterone strengthens our muscles and bones. It promotes lean body mass, but its potency is decreased when our sleep is sacrificed. And most athletes think this only affects men. Testosterone is so hugely linked to men, but the fact is this affects both men and women. And when women come to me and they tell me that they have issues around this, usually my first gut instinct is, okay, we need to look at their sleep cycle. We need to look at the quality of their sleep, how we can improve that when they come to me with testosterone imbalances. Your HGH hormone is lowered when you don't get good sleep. This greatly inhibits your body's ability to restore and repair the growth of cells and tissues throughout the body. So what does that mean? The growth of cells and tissues throughout the body is recovery, right? Because in recovery, we're in an anabolic phase. And this is what's repairing all the muscle breakdown and the tissue breakdown that we are doing when we're working out, when we're doing hard training sessions. And if we don't, if our body's not able to repair and grow, then we're going to be chronically sore and our recovery is going to be longer than it needs to be, which is going to inhibit us in our training sessions. You know, our goal should be to bounce back one in two days with minimal soreness into our training sessions. And if your recovery is lasting a week, five days, that is a sign that we need to start looking at other areas to improve your recovery process. And this might be one of them that you can dive into. When it comes to the HGH hormone, it's released at higher levels during the early phases of deep sleep. And this is the most restorative of all the stages of sleep. So again, when it comes to the HGH hormone, sleep is heavily involved with this. So the deeper the sleep that we get, the more we're going to reap the benefits of this hormone. Your metabolism is disrupted when you get poor sleep. Sleep helps to regulate metabolism, energy expenditure, and appetite all of which are critical for athletes. You probably experienced not getting good sleep one night and then feeling like you have increased cravings, particularly for sugar or salt, and you're like, where did this come from? If that's something you're experiencing regularly, it definitely can be related to the quality of the sleep that you're getting. Keeping these things in a state of balance is key to help reducing cravings, as I said, binges and overconsumption of healthy foods. And to talk a little bit more of the science behind why you might experience these cravings, when you're sleep deprived, your adrenals secrete cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And this causes the body to increase energy consumption, decrease energy expenditure, and increase your appetite. This shifts your tendency to eat higher, uh, to eat foods that are higher in sugar, fat, and carbohydrate, which makes it harder to stay on track with our goals because we're kind of fighting against this resistance where we have these cravings, we're trying to fight against these cravings, fight against these cravings and make aligned choices towards the goals that we have, but yet we have these cravings. These cravings often go away for our numerous reasons. There's a lot of reasons why we have cravings, but in the conversation of sleep, if you can get quality and quantity of sleep, 
a lot of times that really helps in diminishing these cravings that you're getting, specifically around sugar, fat, and carbs. When you get poor sleep, your body remains in an inflamed state. So you have high levels of inflammation circulating in your body. And any athlete knows that inflammation equals pain, stiffness, reduced mobility and flexibility, which obviously leads to decreased performance. So quality sleep plays a role, an important role, in managing and reducing inflammation by promoting anti-inflammatory compounds while decreasing pro-inflammatory compounds. Another thing that's affected by getting chronically poor sleep, your reaction time and decision-making abilities. Assessing risks, making swift, appropriate decisions, and on-the-spot judgment calls are all critical skills for jujitsu, right? And studies have shown that when an athlete is sleep-deprived, he or she is more likely to take unnecessary risks that could inadvertently lead to injury. You've probably been here before, where you're when you're not thinking clearly, when you're just feeling foggy, feeling sluggish, your reaction time is poor, and that puts you in compromised positions, and you're not really feeling up to par and feeling your best self to be able to get out of these things, inc- uh, which can potentially uh, increase your risk for injury and your decision-making abilities in general, right? We have to be able to be cognitive, to be aware, to think two steps, three steps, four steps ahead of our opponent. And that's just not in the cards if you're not getting good sleep. You're going to constantly behind be behind the ball and constantly be reacting to the pressure that the other person is putting on you. And then finally, decrease memory retention. Okay, I get this all the time with students is I can't remember what I learned in jujitsu, right? Or in the moment, we can't recall something that we learned when we want to execute it in, in that moment. During all the stages of sleep, the brain is working to process, store, and secure recently acquired information as memory. And athletes' brains are constantly making new neural connections, integrating information and relying on memory of previous experiences to make decisions and calculations under pressure. So inadequate sleep, unfortunately, undermines these important processes, impairing our full memory function and interfering with our learning, our storage, and our recalling abilities. So if any of these points haven't stood out to you as to why you should be continuing to listen to this episode in improving your sleep, I don't know what will. So I really wanted to highlight, as I said, some of the things that are really important for you to know right off the bat of really what the consequences are when we don't prioritize our sleep and when we don't focus on getting quality sleep and doing everything in our power to prioritize that. So now what I would love to do is give you an action plan right? Because I believe in integrating what you learn. It's so important in order to really transform and shift into different behaviors and step into that next version of you. You can't just absorb information, guys. You have to take action. And so I hope this five-step process is a good starting point for you to take action that's pretty easy if you ask me. All right, so this is what I call my five-step sleep method. Step one is simply to decide that you're going to make a commitment to improving this. That really is the first step. You have to decide. You have to make the commitment. You have to devote yourself to improving your sleep. 
Like anything else, you can't act on something if you haven't made the committed decision that you're going to, in fact, do the actionable steps to reach that particular goal. Once you have it in your mind that you're going to get better sleep and that it's a priority for you, I want to invite you to write down a little commitment statement, almost like an affirmation or a mantra to help you in being accountable towards that goal. So if you want to pause this and write something down, I really want to invite you to do that and commit to yourself. You can write it on a sticky and put it in your mirror. So when you're brushing your teeth at night, it's a reminder of what you're committing to and the habit that you're trying to integrate. Step two is to create a nighttime ritual. We support athletes with this inside the Performance Blueprint in literally crafting nighttime routines to help them unwind, de-stress, regulate their nervous system. And this is the point of having a nighttime ritual. As athletes, we're used to having routines, whether it's the same warm-up before competitions, the same oatmeal breakfast, every morning before work. And although having intention and being mindful is a huge part of improving your health, Routines are beautiful because they give us structure and then allow everyday necessities to happen with ease and without much forethought. This is really important, right? Because that's the goal when it comes to establishing a new habit is how can it be easy and easily assimilated into my life so there's not a lot of resistance and it's it's really easy to stick to long term. So knowing that we thrive off having routines during the day, doesn't it make sense to continue that same idea for nighttime? And that's the idea behind a nighttime ritual. Creating a nighttime routine or ritual, I've been leaning more towards the word ritual because there's just something that's more deeply intimate and yummy about it. Routine can sometimes feel a little mundane, right? But I want you to feel excited about your routine because of what it's going to do for you. So that's why I've been shifting more into ritual. So creating a nighttime ritual is so important in helping you unwind your mind prepare your body for a state of relaxation, rejuvenation, and healing that sleep is going to provide. It's important to note that nighttime routines are different for everyone, but I recommend decreasing your screen time, both phone and TV, adding things like meditating, breath work, journaling to brain dump if you are somebody who has a lot of thoughts in your mind about what you have to do that week or the following day. Brain dumping is so incredibly powerful so that you can get it all out of your head and let your mind be clear and empty while you go to sleep. As well as other self-care activities, maybe drawing, reading, taking a CBD, or taking an Epsom salt bath burning candles, essential oils, which we'll dive into, stretching, dry brushing, oil pooling, self-massaging, which are some Ayurvedic practices. But honestly, it can be anything that's going to help you unwind. That is the goal with a nighttime routine. I also teach morning routines, right? And so with a morning routine, we're still creating intentionality and mindfulness with our day. But oftentimes with the morning routine, we're also trying to get grounded, but energized, right? We want to start our day off on the right foot and feel energized and connected and excited about our day. But with the nighttime routine, we're not necessarily doing that, right? We don't want to start increasing our energy right before we go to bed. We want to learn how can I relax my nervous system? How can I decompress? How can I empty my mind? so that I can go to bed and just be really ready to rest. 
Now, if you're somebody who needs to sleep with noise in the background, I recommend getting a white noise machine or downloading a sleep app. There's an app that I have called Brainwave, and it just puts nice regulating kind of brainwave noises into your mind. And it really helps you get a deeper sleep and helps you just slowly be able to drift off into sleep and really helps calm the mind. So I recommend that. Now, once you kind of establish your nighttime routine, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down to really bring it into fruition. Now, the other thing I'll mention is that your nighttime routine can change 100%. Just because you're writing it down now doesn't mean this is going to be static the same for the rest of your life. Allow yourself to be adaptable. Allow yourself to, as you learn new things, as you integrate new things, as your life and schedule changes, your routine may also change. But the fundamental thing that stays the same is that you have a routine to come back to. But what's within that routine may shift. For instance, my nighttime routine was very different before I had a kid. But now that I have a child, I obviously have somebody I have to take care of at night and get them into bed. So my routine has shifted, but I still do something for myself before going to bed. And some days it's a lot of things. Some days it's only one or two, but my intention is still there. My commitment is still there. And I'm not married to the outcome or the structure so much where it throws me off if I don't get all of my things done right? Because we don't want to get into that energy of like just checking it off the to-do list. The whole point is to become more embodied. The whole point is to be unstressed. So some days it's what's going to just, the question I ask myself is like, what's going to make me feel relaxed right now? Some days is an Epsom salt bath while I'm reading a book. Other days I'm like, you know what? I would just really like to wash the dishes and go to bed with like a clean house. And then I'll just let myself wash before I go to bed. Other days, it's breath work. So my intention is still there. What I choose may shift, but I still have that commitment and dedication towards myself and towards my sleep. Step three. This one doesn't necessarily apply to me because I do not drink. But for those who like to enjoy a glass of wine or beer at night, and you think that it's actually helping you in falling asleep faster, although that is true, Studies show that it actually contributes to poor quality of sleep later in the night. So you may actually wake up in the middle of the night, which disrupts your long sleep that's required seven to nine hours. And that really disrupts all the processes that we talked about earlier in actually working uh, fully into fruition. So step three is to remove the booze. I know you don't want to hear it. Even I know that you're going to say, well, wine is healthy and I'm only drinking one glass. Also, I'll say, of course, all foods can fit. So it's really just a matter of aligning your intentions with the goals that you have. You know, if you are competing in three weeks, I think it's in your best interest to maybe just not drink alcohol for three weeks so that you can have a clear mind and have stellar sleep leading up to that competition. Now, if you are not competing and you want to enjoy that, amazing. Go ahead and do it, but just know that if you wake up groggy, if you wake up not getting good sleep, it's directly related to that. And don't beat yourself up for the decisions that you made. I always believe that because we have choice, when you choose something, own the hell out of it. Okay, I drank. All right, if I do desire to improve my sleep, maybe I'll experiment with not drinking tomorrow so that I can feel better the next day. 
constantly evaluate, constantly assess, and constantly realign your actions with the version of you that you want to step into. It really comes down to that. Drinking alcohol late at night disrupts your circadian rhythm by affecting your normal production of sleep chemicals, causing you to wake up before you're truly rested. And because of this, like I said, your REM cycle is also affected, which inhibits your body from fully restoring and healing itself, causing you to wake up feeling unfocused, feeling groggy, feeling sluggish. And obviously, when you start your day in that way, it's going to affect your performance, not only in work, but then obviously jujitsu. And like I said, it's not that you can't ever drink booze again, but just assess within yourself, is it in my best interest? You know, if I want to be a better athlete, if that really is the vision I have for myself, then maybe I need to assess this habit. Is this habit really supporting me or is this just something I've been doing on autopilot and it's something I really need to address and and maybe integrate something different? If I really like to unwind and think that alcohol is doing that for me at the end of the night, well, can you still have that unwinding time with yourself but not with alcohol? Can you do something else? Instead, can you do a warm glass of tea that has lots of phytochemicals and nutrients that can actually support, which we're going to dive into, a deeper sleep, right? This way you're still getting that beverage. You're still getting that routine that you have, but it's a way that serves you. One thing I do want to mention when it comes to alcohol is that the recommendation is to stick to no more than one to two servings per night in general, right? So definitely if you're drinking five beers a night, that is excessive. So maybe to start, you can cut it back and eventually get it down to zero. But, you know, assessing where you're at and just slowly making those cuts, it's really important to slowly change your habits instead of just cold turkeying. Although there are people who can cold turkey, I am one of those people. When I make a decision, it's like literally a light switch and it's just how it is for me. But I understand that there are people that are not like that. People need some time. And so honoring that within yourself, know yourself a little bit to to say, am I a cold turkey person or do I need to slowly integrate that time? If you drink five beers a night, focus on four beers the next night, right? So your body doesn't really know the difference. Your mind doesn't really know the difference and it'll be able to be more sustained habit. Step four is eat a light dinner. So most people skip breakfast, eat a crappy lunch or a minimal lunch, granola bar, something that's quick and easy because they don't take the time to be mindful and present in the middle of their day. And then they wait for dinner to indulge in potentially their highly processed oversized portions of food, right? We get into this restriction and overeating cycle. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, That is the general consensus of our society. That's the cultural habit that we have, especially in the United States. We don't eat throughout the day and then we overeat at night because we've been starving all day. So it makes sense that we would overindulge because we're starving. Now, this is the complete opposite of what you should do if you want a good night's sleep. Food is meant to fuel us and most of the activities we do are during the day. Work. Jiu-jitsu. Right? So it doesn't make logical sense to fuel your body with adequate fuel. What I meant to say was, doesn't it make logical sense to fuel your body with adequate fuel in the morning and afternoon when you need it the most versus overloading at night when you don't actually need that when you're going to bed? 
not only will eating a majority of your meals and calories give you the energy to perform throughout the day and think better throughout the day, but that's also when our digestive system and metabolism is at its peak performance. So you'll be able to optimally digest and absorb the nutrients food provides when you eat it throughout the day versus at night. Now, even though I said eat a light dinner, it's important to note, you guys know that I'm harping on balance all the time. And so your dinner should still include the major food groups and still be balanced, including carbs, protein, fat, and fiber, but considering doing that in smaller amounts. Now, why do I recommend this? Well, as you probably gathered by now, sleep is a time for our body to repair and renew itself. And when you eat large, dense meals, especially if they're on the unhealthier side or processed side right before bed, you're actually interrupting the body's healing processes because it has to turn its attention to digesting the big, heavy meal that you ate while you sleep instead of restoring and repairing your hormones, your muscles, your tissues, your metabolism. So again, it's uh, one thing I want to stay here because this is a really big misconception is that there's a certain time that you have to stop eating. That is not true, okay? That is a myth. Let's debunk it now. You do not have to stop eating after 6 p.m. <laughs> I fell into that belief when I first started my health and wellness journey back when I was in sixth grade. And that was one of the things that I took to heart. Okay, can't eat past six. I was a growing athlete. <laughs> that was the worst thing I read on Google. <laughs> and I, whether you are 16 or you're 52, this does not apply, okay? Just do not buy into that false belief. What will be most important is that you're eating a light dinner that's balanced. Why do you eat a dinner? You have to eat dinner so that it helps you in your recovery process. Because when you're, most of us train at night, right? Where we have our six to eight o'clock class. I still recommend that you eat dinner after that, whether you have to prep it beforehand or whether you're making it from scratch or whatever it is, still eating that because that fuel is what's going to help in the a reparation of your muscle breakdown that happened during training. But the quality, the quantity is what's really important here is making sure that we don't overload so that our bellies feel really, really heavy and dense. And we're going to bed with that heavy, dense stomach. Cause then, like I said, our body's going to turn its attention away from our healing and restoration and going to go right toward digestion. And it's going to focus on digesting while we sleep, which isn't the right time. That's not the right time for digestion. Okay, and this can also really mess up your digestive system, as well as contribute to waking up groggy and not feeling like you got rested sleep because you didn't get rested sleep because your body wasn't working the way it was supposed to at night because it was too busy digesting. So step four is to eat a light dinner. And step five is to add natural sleep enhancers that promote calmness of the mind and body. And obviously, as I said earlier, this goes hand in hand with your nighttime routine. There are tons of holistic routes and remedies to enhance your sleep that do not require prescription meds or drugs. I'm going to go into a few, quite a few, but things as simple as eye masks or blackout curtains are a really easy way to just prioritize your sleep and get better sleep without you having to do much, right? You just have to buy it once, put it on. As far as your curtains and your eye mask, you just plop it over your face and that helps block out the light, helps block out your surroundings, can help you go deep, deeper inward to kind of de-stress, unwind, etc. But 
in addition to those things, I want to share some of the other things that you can consider integrating to support you in getting a deeper sleep. All right, so let's dive into five things that you can integrate in your nighttime routine to support you in getting a deeper sleep. The first is aromatherapy. So candles and essential oils, these are great options. These have healing and restorative properties that help us get more restful sleep, soothe aches and pains, reduce negative emotions and stress, and even balance our hormones. Specific scents of candles and oils like lemon, orange, and peppermint can be used to increase energy, productiveness, and alertness. So these are great for the morning if you want to integrate that into a morning routine. However, for sleep, stick to more calming scents like lavender, tea tree, vanilla, rose, jasmine, or sandalwood. And one of the things I recommend is maybe getting an oil diffuser. This is something that I really love. You can add your essential oils to the diffuser through water and it makes your own little mist that spurts into the air. You can do this maybe when you know, like set a timer for yourself of, okay, I'm going to bed in 20 minutes. Put your diffuser on so that by the time you get to bed, it permeates the air and you really get into that energy of relaxing and unwinding. You can also add essential oils directly to your skin. But if you have extremely sensitive skin, be cautious when applying this. This is what I like to do. I like to put essential oils on my wrist and kind of smell that. That's very helpful. I do that for competition as well to keep me calm. And then you can also just add essential oils to your bath, to your shower. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of habit stack and integrate this. If you're already taking a shower at night, add some aromatherapy to really get you in that mood, get you in the energy to unwind and decompress. The next one is herbal teas or elixirs. Tea has been around for centuries and is notorious for its healing properties. Obviously, decaffeinated tea is what I'm talking about here. We don't want the caffeine, but it's a great way to decrease anxiety, turn on your sleep-promoting hormones, and I recommend experimenting with flavors like chamomile, valerian root, lavender, ashwagandha, or lemon to really, again, in the as long as they're decaffeinated, to help you kind of get into that deep restorative sleep, right? So you can, if you're not a tea person, maybe you want to do an elixir. An elixir, there's lots of recipes out there, and usually they just involve different spices or herbs, maybe with some milk, or if you do plant-based milk and you can just mix those together, that's what I prefer, but I do like tea as well. And so this one might be a little bit seasonal, if you will. You could definitely do this year round, but I personally tend towards tea when it comes more into the winter months um, versus like the summer, especially living in Texas, you know, when it's hundred degrees, I generally don't turn towards tea because I'm already hot, but Again, if that's your shtick, if you love tea, then this is a great thing for you to integrate and just know that now it has benefits that are going to affect your sleep in a positive way. The next one is CBD oil. I know this can be potentially controversial, but it is becoming more and more just relevant and popular. And this is a staple in my recovery and sleep routines. Every single night I have CBD oil and when I have them, I take gummies in the morning. And so when it comes to CBD, this is a natural plant-based solution for decreasing pain, anxiety, inflammation, and promoting a more restful sleep. 
And how it works is it works by interacting with receptors and chemicals in the brain that influence all sorts of things like anxiety and recovery. And although CBD is derived from the hemp plant, you have to be careful with the CBD companies that you use. I personally use Soul CBD because they have very pure quality. But CBD itself is 100% legal and it has zero psychoactive properties, right? Like weed, obviously you're going to have some of those effects, but with CBD, that doesn't exist. And with CBD, there are a lot of different types that you can get and find what works best for you. So there's sublingual drops, which is what I like to take. There's ointments. I do CBD ointments that I use for monkey tape, and this is to rub on injuries. So any sore spots or tightness or tension or injured areas that are affecting your sleep, if you get a sore neck or something, you can rub some CBD ointment on those areas. Gummies. So you can take gummies if that's what you prefer. Body butters. There are literally just growing amounts of types of CBD that you can have. I would definitely recommend getting CBD isolate because that's a little bit more pure versus the full spectrum. There might be some traces of the plant in there. And if you work in a job where maybe they do drug tests, I can't say for sure that you would come up clear. I don't really know because I really only use the isolates just to really not ever have to be in that position. But I also don't work for anyone except myself. So I don't think I'm going to drug test myself anytime soon. But it's just something to consider, something to be aware of, because that's where the controversy sometimes lies, um, where people get a little bit hesitant. So the beautiful thing about the sublingual drops is I like it because they're very um, versatile. So like I said, I can eat them and put them underneath my tongue, or I can rub them also on injured areas too. So again, if I have a sore neck or a sore lower back from training, I can use my drops rubbing them on my back as well, like if I don't have ointment or body butter. So they're very versatile. So because CB tends to be more on the expensive side, you know, I just wanted to share that with you so that you can just realize you can get multi-use out of that versus the gummies. You can't really rub that on your back, right? <laughs> That's really only one way to eat that. If you have other ways, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> but generally, gummies, you're eating, right? So at least with the sublingual drops, you can have multi-uses for that. But they're a great way to decrease pain and inflammation with any soreness that you have too. So again, that really can affect your sleep when you have that soreness going into bed. So CBD is a great option for that. And again, I use Soul CBD. I will put their link in the box, in the comment section in the box of the podcast, the show notes. There we go. And therefore, you can check them out. Let me know if you end up purchasing any. Uh, it'll be my direct link for you to kind of explore their page. I highly recommend them. I've been using them for years and they really have the best quality. Again, if you have another company that you use, go for it. But this is what I use and trust. And so that's what I'm going to share with you guys. The next one is GABA. Okay, so GABA is an amino acid produced naturally in the brain that functions functions as an inhibitory neurotransmitter, which means it lowers the activity of neural cells in the brain and central nervous system, having the effect of moving the brain and body into lower gear, right? Which is what we want. When we're going to sleep, we want lower gear. We don't want high gear. By inhibiting neural activity, GABA reduces mental and physical stress, lowers anxiety, creates a calmer, stable mood, and facilitates a deeper sleep. GABA also plays a role in regulating muscle tone. And in combination with glutamate, 
the body's most important excitatory neurotransmitter, GABA, is an important contributor to the body's overall mental and physical homeostasis or overall balance. So if you have trouble sleeping a lot and the above methods don't really work, or maybe, again, you don't like tea, or maybe you're sensitive to smells and aromatherapy, this could be an option. But of course, because this is a supplement, I have to state that if you're on medications or you're not sure how it's going to react with where you are with your lab values or anything like that, please consult with your doctor before taking anything because most medications do have drug interactions that cause other side effects. So with any supplement that you take, it's so important to check in with your doctor if you're on medications already to make sure there are no contraindications that aren't going to worsen you know, your state. Finally, I want to give a shout out to melatonin. So melatonin is a hormone by the pineal gland that plays a role in sleep. The production and release of melatonin in the brain is connected to the time of day, it increasing when it's dark and decreasing when it's light. Melatonin production declines with age as well as affected by other factors like erratic work schedules and late night technology use. So some research suggests that melatonin might improve daytime sleep quality and duration in people whose job require them to work outside the traditional morning to evening schedule because of that circadian rhythm pattern, right? So if you are an overnight shift worker, this may be something that I highly recommend you look into to regulate your sleep cycle. And even though, again, melatonin is a natural substance, I have to state that if you're on medications, must consult with your doctor to make sure there are no drug interactions that are going to affect you. So that's what I wanted to say there. So let's do a little recap because there's been a lot of nuggets and information in this episode. So I want to recap with what we discussed. The first was a slew of examples of what happens in the body biologically when we get consistently poor sleep. Then we dove into our five-step sleep method. Number one, deciding you're going to make a commitment to improving this and setting any boundaries that you need to set in order to make this happen. Step two is to create a nighttime ritual. Step three is to remove the booze. Step four is to eat a light but balanced dinner. Step five is to add natural sleep enhancers to promote calmness of the mind and body. So I would love to know, what did you learn in this episode? What are you taking away? Is there anything that you want to share with us that was an aha moment for you? Please tag us at Body by Boss LLC on Instagram. We would love to know, you know, what you're taking away, what you're integrating so we can hold you accountable and support you in that process. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now.